safety net for your bets. You always want to make sure you have a safeguard in place. Like last year's NBA Finals, thousands of Golden State bettors sold their tickets on PropSwap before being upset by Toronto. The sports world will return soon, and PropSwap looks forward to being there for you. This just in, after 18 months of research and development, the Manscaped team has confirmed that they have successfully created the greatest below-the-waist trimmer ever, the new Lawnmower 3.0. Hey guys, it's Sylvie. Grooming is essential nowadays, and you need precision-engineered tools optimized specifically for below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Their new Lawnmower 3.0 is revolutionary. It has cutting-edge ceramic blades to prevent scary accidents. No nicks or snags. So take my advice, go to Manscaped.com and try the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with discount code chicago that's code chicago from state street and the first midwest bank studio this is wmvp chicago espn 1000 chicago's home for sports go under the hood with jonathan hood follow us on the gram at igj hood and at espn underscore chicago espn 1000 chicago's home for sports Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So glad that you are with us here as we talk NBA with friend of the program, Kendall Gill from NBC Sports Chicago. There is no basketball, or will there be basketball in the future? Kendall Gill joins us here on ESPN 1000. Kendall, Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. Hey, no problem, Jay Hood. You know, I almost didn't answer the phone, man. Why? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I forgot I had to interview my wife picked this beautiful meal for me. And I was in there eating, but then I was like, that's Jonathan Hood. I have to answer that phone call. <laughs> what? You, know, you can eat and talk at the same time? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> you got it all figured out then. Say, right. say, say hello to the missus for me. Okay, I will. <laughs> Every time we do an interview, by the way, she's always involved in one way, shape, or form. I think it's funny. There's always something going on. She won't leave me alone, on. bro. She won't leave me alone, man. She's one of those wives that's like constantly on me, man. So, you know. <laughs> well, you know, when you got it, Kendall, you got it. I mean, you have to understand. I mean, you, you, you've, had, you've, had it since, you've had it since you were a teenager. So, I mean, it's just that, it's just that Gill appeal, that Kendall appeal. What are you going to do? Hey, no, no, no. I, I had it ever since I went to the NBA. That's when, <laughs> <laughs> that's when I really got it. <laughs> Okay, well, well, it makes sense. Makes sense to me. Uh, um, so, what do you what do you think, Kendall? Do you do you foresee a time where we will see the NBA return? Um, because as this story goes on with COVID nineteen, I don't see um, a way for the players to get back in at least not this month or maybe not early next month. What what do you see? I. Really, I see the cancellation of the season. I, I just don't believe that at this point you can come back and, and have a season that's going to be viable because, you know, I, don't, I forget how many weeks this is now, maybe five weeks that the season has been postponed. And, you know, you're going to have to, if, if you come back, you're going to have to have at least a two-week mini camp to get everybody back readjusted to where they were before the postponement and that's going to be hard to do you know a lot of teams have probably lost rhythm and um you know it's going to be tough you know now i can't see them like say for instance starting the season i've heard talk about late june july 
you know, I, I just don't know whether that's, that's a viable choice for the league at this point. I, um, I remember during All-Star Weekend just talking to people and about, about Chicago. There was some more conversation about Chicago area basketball than it was the Chicago Bulls. I don't. What, what yeah. was it like for your circle? Because there was always stories about like the flying Illini and about you know Isaiah Thomas and how he's supposed to go to DePaul, but he went to Indiana and Mark Aguirre. There was more conversation about the old school basketball in Chicago scene than it was with the Bulls. What was it like for you? Uh, same way, you know, because we, we we're represented by so many different players um, from this city. I mean. You know, you, you look at all around the country. I think Chicago has put more NBA players in the league than anybody. I mean, you look at all of the number one pick, all of the top five picks that we've had. Um, and guys that we continue to send to the league. And, uh, you know, I thought that there, there was a, uh, a great representation of the city because of, of that, or what I just discussed about, about, about the players. I mean, because... Of, you know, Isaiah, Mark Aguirre, you got Derrick Rose, Anthony Davis, and so on and so on and so on. Um, and I think that the city also, you know, I talked to some of the NBA uh, personnel. They said that Chicago did a great job of hosting All-Star Weekend because of all of the facilities that we had and all of the venues. Uh, yeah, it was a little cold, but everything went smooth, man. And they, the NBA was very happy. It, that's when we could be able to go out and kick it during that time. <laughs> we, like it seemed like that was eons ago, but that was like the last time that I remember just going out real hard and just you know having a good time talking to people. Um, it's not like that right now. It, and by the way, with Indianapolis coming up uh, for next year, I'm trying to figure out whether I should go or not because I know it's going to be just a letdown compared to what was going on the shot that weekend. Yeah, it, it, I mean, you know, Indiana, Indianapolis is a nice city, but it's, it's not a, a huge metropolis like Chicago, New York, L.A. Um, you know, but I'm sure that the NBA will do their best to, to, to put on a good show. I know it's going to be a, a great show, but it won't be like it was when it was here uh, uh, this year. Kendall Gill with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. I know you've been reading what I've been reading regarding what Joe Colley says in the Chicago Sun-Times every day that there's more stories about how changes are imminent in that front office for the Bulls. You're doing podcasts about it, and you're talking about it in season. Um, how overdue is this for the Bulls to be able to have a fresh set of eyes in the organization? Well, I mean, I, I, I think you always need to have a fresh set of eyes. I mean, even if the 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 front office is successful, you still need to look at other people's perspectives about what you're doing. That's the way you get better. I mean, you, you hire people that are smarter than you. Um, and I think that, you know, listen, Don Pacman, I, th- I think that they've done uh, a great job uh, considering all of the circumstances, that being the injuries that they've had all along. Now, have they made a couple of missteps? Probably. But you know, at this point in time, I think the fan base thinks that, listen, we, we need to have a fresh voice and, like you said, a fresh um, set of eyes so that we can move on to the future. Um, and, you know, I've heard all the rumors just like you you heard, and, you know, I know some of the names that, that the Bulls uh, apparently are, are interested in bringing in. And, 
you know, we'll we'll just have to wait and see what happens. And um, you know, but I know that there's something that will be done. You know what's scary, uh, Kendall is the loyalty, the L word when it comes to the Bulls, yeah. right? And you and I like I like loyalty. I like the idea that the Bulls take care of their people. Um, you know, win, lose, or draw. However, when there's when it's my money, when it's my money line or fans' money that have a financial investment of the team, man, you've got to be able to understand. Like, people do not have the disposable income to just keep rolling out to the United Center to see an, uh, a product that's underachieving. And so, my my two of my points tonight was one: you realize that Pax and Gar, if there's going to be change, they're going to be part of the process, and two. Um, whoever they hire is going to be in that job for like 25 years. So they got to get it right. <laughs> that's, they, they, I mean, that, that's they, scary yeah, they, though. Yeah, they have to get it right. And, and gone pack will be part of the process. Uh, I don't think that they're going anywhere. They're just going to bring in another guy, um, to be the head of basketball operations. And, you know, gone pack, I, I believe will still have input, but now they probably will hand the reins over to whoever they selected. And you're right. I mean, because whoever comes in, you know, will probably be here for a long period of time um, unless they decide to leave and go elsewhere. So you have to get it right. You know, I'm just I'm just upset that uh, Masai Ujiri is not available. <laughs> right, right, right. Right now, because I would love for that guy to be here. <laughs> Man, I mean, when, when he comes around, there's a circle around him because – what a yeah. what a great executive for the Toronto Raptors, that that dude that could have took the Knicks job, but he was like, no, I'm going to stay here and ride this out. And as the season uh, was postponed, Toronto was on the way. They were going to make some yeah, noise, maybe not championship, but that's okay. Even without Kawhi, they were fine. They were doing well. Yeah, they they, they were, and, and you know that's a testament to what he has done to to build that franchise. I mean, I saw once Kawhi Leonard left that they were done. But, you know, he, he continues to build and put, put pieces around um, all of the guys there. And, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry has, continues to play great basketball. They're, they're possibly the best, still still possibly the best team in the East at this point. Um, and, you know, you got to go back to his past too. When he did it, he did a great job in Denver as well. You know, so we'll, Everywhere this guy goes, he's a, he's a success. So it's not a surprise that most NBA teams, when his name becomes available, want to talk to him. So for, for a kid that grew up in the, uh, the late 70s, my first heavyweight champion of boxing was Larry Holmes. I saw Ali as a kid toward the end, but that was like mustachioed you know, Ali toward the end where – you remember that fight with Holmes and Ali, and Ali uh, Holmes kept bringing the referee over with his right of hand course, because yeah. he was he was duking him up in the corner, and like Ali couldn't yeah. defend himself. And it was like 1980, so that's right. like my first image. If there, and I noticed that on ESPN two, they're showing all the heavyweight fights and old Tyson Burbick. They're showing Buster Douglas. They're showing Leon Spinks and Muhammad Ali. Who's the fighter that you wish you could have saw? You know, at their in their prime on a regular basis. Uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, <clears throat> who, who is voted the best pound-for-pound pound fighter of all time. Um, you know, his blend of speed and power in, in both hands. Uh, they said that he was beautiful to watch. You know, just the way he it was like when he got into the ring, it was like an orchestra, you know. And uh, 
uh, I wish I could really have gotten a chance to watch him fight. Off, off the chain, and you continue to really read a lot of stories about him over the years and how, in some, in some ways, underrated for the things that he was brought to the table in the ring, right? Yeah, somewhat, but you know, but but for the most part, everybody is a consensus that he was pound for pound um, the, the best fighter to ever live. Now, also uh, back in the day, they had a guy who they said, and, and I'm going to mention a name that nobody ever has, has really heard of. His name is Charlie Burley, mm-hmm. and Sugar Ray Robinson did not never want to fight Charlie Burley. And uh, Charlie Burley was was a great fighter as well. Now I'm going back way, way, way farther than most <laughs> most casual boxing fans know. But you know I'm a boxing fanatic, so you know Charlie Burley would be another guy we want to see. Yeah. So on ESPN two, they're showing those classic fights, and it just reminds me of how boxing was such a big part of my family. Uh, going grandfather and his friends going to the back room, smoke filled room, because there was no secondhand smoke back then. By the way, there were two things I remember <laughs> as a kid: there was no seat belt and no secondhand smoke. You were just part of both of them. Like, <laughs> the the seat belts of you. The seatbelt some you played with, you wasn't actually connected to it in that old, that old Caprice classic back in the day. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> and secondhand smoke, well, you just there. Uh, well, pipe smoke, co- cools. Uh, you know, <laughs> cool. My dad used to smoke cools. The smoke just wafting in the back room while you could just barely see the, the TV with boxing on. You know, just like, wow, that like today that would be a crime. But, but back then, maybe that's what's wrong with me, Kendall. I think the secondhand smoke got me as a kid in the 70s. <laughs> you are really going back, man. You are really going back. <laughs> um. Uh, oh, did you see? Oh, by the way, did you see what Ken, uh, what um, KG said about the uh, Timberwolves? Did you see this? Uh, no, no. What did so, he say? So this is a top story on the NBA page on ESPN.com that says that Kevin Garnett um, dismisses the talk of the Wolves retiring his number. He says he will never forgive the the uh, team owner. He does not do business with snakes. Oh. Apparently, Kevin hasn't learned very much. <laughs> you know, you don't don't burn bridges, bro. You know, listen if you if if you have a personal beef, you keep that in house. You know, I wouldn't if if I was Kevin Kevin's advisor, I, I would not have advised him to say something like that, even despite how you feel about an organization or somebody else. You know, I mean, he is the, he's still the Timberwolves. I mean, and they yeah. you know, they want to retire his number twenty one, and he still says he has not forgiven. Team owner Glenn Taylor after their acrimonious split in 2016. He says, Glenn knows where I'm at. I'm not entertaining at all. First of all, it's not genuine. Two, he's getting pressure from a lot of fans in community uh, in Minneapolis. So Glenn and I had an understanding uh, that when Flip Saunders passed away and when Flip died, that understanding went with Flip. Um, so, yeah, it, it's uh, it's not good. Yeah, and, it, and, that's, and that's a shame because Kevin Garnett should have his jersey retired. He's the best Timberwolf ever, and you know you you don't want to to go out um, and not have your number hanging in the rafters just because of you know some personal feelings. He worked his whole life to get to that point, you know, where uh, franchises would retire his number. Because uh, I don't know, I don't know. Does 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 Boston retire his number, Jay Hood? Probably so. Probably so. Okay. A part of, part right. of that championship team. Uh, the 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 hot button topic is: Do they retire Ray Allen's? 
I, I, I don't know whether they're going to retire Ray Allen. <laughs> oh, wait. Wait, Sean. Sean, you got to talk to the last thing with Kendall. Sean, so we went through, what was it, the 96 draft? Yeah, 1996. We redrafted 1996. Okay. First so 10 we, picks. So the first 10 picks of the 96 draft, right? And mm-hmm. so that's, that's the Allen Iverson draft. Right. So we were trying to determine, like, if we were to redraft, now that we know – Everything about all the players are in that draft. How would you redraft it, right? And so, hold on, Davis. Now you had where did you have Allen? You didn't have him going one to Philly. We had Kobe because that was the Kobe draft too, right? Yeah, Kobe was two. Uh, we sent what? Steve Nash to Vancouver because of the connection with Canada. Right. Uh, third, we had no. Then we had Ray Allen going to Toronto. Because yeah, they already at, had Damon Stoudemire at right. point guard. And then fourth, it was uh, Milwaukee. And I went out on the limb and said, you know what? Selfishly, I want AI to end up in Minnesota with KG. So I'm going to send Stefan Marbury to Milwaukee. <laughs> so in the redraft, <laughs> we had a fight about this. So in the redraft, AI, like again, not quite the Georgetown player that, that John Thompson always wanted, but it was what... It was available, and he thought he could be able to mold and shape AI. He, he, Sean took Stephon Marbury over AI in that draft. I just wanted him with KG. That's that was funny. No way, no way. Right, look, I played, I played with Steph, and Steph was a great player. But I'm not taking Steph over Allen Iverson. So how many balls? How many times would Allen Iverson and Big Dog have argued over shots? <laughs> That's the question. That's the question. <laughs> You know what? Here's the thing. You know, it wouldn't have been any argument because Allen Iverson always had the ball in his hand, pushing it anyway. True that. You know, point taken. So, 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 so it wouldn't have been an argument at all, actually. You, you sure? You sure? Big Dog wouldn't have something to say. You sure? You know where Big Dog is. No, listen, listen. He he he'd get his shots, okay? But he just wouldn't get as many as Allen Iverson. <laughs> <laughs> we we had a consensus that 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 if you take a look at it again, Kobe would have been one in that draft, and then we were going through it like with Ray Allen and his value now, and and uh, Steve Nash was chosen fifteenth. We pushed him up. Yeah, um, he'd be up. Yeah. yeah. So Antoine would still be in the top ten. Antoine Walker would be in that top ten. So we weren't as, as high on, on Sharif Abdul Rahim during that time. Um, yeah, but that's if okay. he ended up in Vancouver. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. So okay. And, and and the commissioner of the G League. So yeah. So he. So you made out fine. But but I'm going to tell you, if, if you do, you guys are redrafting. Philadelphia would never have been able to draft um, Kobe because I was sitting in the room with my agent, and he threatened the New Jersey Nets who wanted to take him, and if they took him, he would go to Europe. So Arn Tellum probably would have threatened the Philadelphia 76ers as well. Because they already had a deal structured for Kobe to go to L.A. Ah, there is. Okay, there you go. There you go. So Kobe was going to Kobe was going to end up in L.A. one way or the other, and not be where I mean he's from Italy, but he's him and his dad spent time in Philly, and that that would have been a perfect fit, but that just wasn't going to happen, huh? It wasn't going to happen, no. according to our time. I was I was sitting in the room where it happened, fellas. Oh, see, that's some history. <laughs> that's some history right there. See that? Yeah. See that? That's, that's good stuff. 
So that's the stuff that that's the stuff we talk about with no sports, Kendall. That's the so <laughs> next next week we're gonna draft the we're gonna redraft the ninety seven draft. But that's what we do here. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you, man. No sports, you gotta find something to do, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, all the all the best to you and your fam and uh thanks so much for coming on the show as always. All right, guys. I appreciate it, man. Take it easy. It is uh, Kendall Gill from NBC Sports Chicago with us here on uh, ESPN 1000. And, Davis, next next week we're going to have to look at the 97 draft, you and I. Let's do it. And that's the Tim Duncan draft and the Keith Van Horn draft. I don't know if Keith Van Horn makes that top ten. <laughs> I don't think he does. That is the Tim Duncan, Keith Van Horn, Chauncey Billups, Tracy McGrady draft. So that'll it, it, that'll be a little bit harder for you in this that that ninety seven draft. And I think the first two or three might be obvious, but the rest of that tough. See, I got KG at power four. I got AI at the point guard. Now I got to find me a small forward to send to Minnesota. Well, there you go. There you yep. go. It's gonna be the a little year. bit difficult when you start digging through and saying, you know, man, I really thought that maybe Ed O'Bannon could bring more to the table. <laughs> <laughs> that is the the Keith Booth Bulls draft, if we put it that way, from uh, from '97. So that'll be the next thing that we oh, do. University of Maryland, Ugh. tough. Yeah. Is this what, I, I can't wait for, to see where you put Tariq Abdul Wahad in this uh, in this draft here in the in '97. That'll be fun when we redraft that uh, in '97. Uh, we have got Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right around the corner right here on ESPN 1000. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. ESPN is going to release the Jordan Bulls Dynasty documentary. Cap and Company. Did I appreciate as a fan watching the greatest basketball player ever? Like, I know in 2016, I appreciated it. Did I appreciate it more in 16 because my perspective on life had changed? Did social media make me more focused? Chris argued with me and said, no, maybe it made you less focused. You've got your cell phone here, your iPad there. you got multiple games on multiple TVs. Like, maybe I was less focused on sports. I don't know. Did you miss some Cap and Company? The podcast is out there. Find it on the new ESPN Chicago app. Cap and Company weekdays, 9 to noon on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Every day, Fred Chico encounters ESPN 1000 listeners. Uh, are you Fred Chico? Yes, I am. Can, can I shake your hand? Oh, sure. I really love your commercials. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, I'm glad you enjoy them. Most people don't enjoy commercials. I really like the one when Carmen calls you on the phone and he starts talking about his new suits. Oh, or, or when your mom was giving Carmen cooking tips. Oh, yeah, that was pretty good. You know the really funny one? It's when Yurko's talking to Tina. She's telling him about the hand of the fabric, and he's calling it linen. <laughs> oh, and... And the Chico Chick singing is great. Uh, yeah. Being a celebrated menswear retailer has its perks and its challenges. <laughs> but, but my absolute favorite is when these guys are talking about you and they're the only ones that can dress them and, they, and it takes you 25 minutes to measure an inseam. Uh, thanks so much for all your support. I got a meeting with Justin. I gotta go. Come to John Chico's Menswear in Merrillville, just off I-65 west of the South Lake Mall. Call 219-769-1744. And remember, all men are created equal and then they get dressed. Experience the John Chico difference. At Weedman, we use only golf course quality time-release granular fertilizer, which meters out over 8 to 10 weeks and makes environmental sense. This means no mowing like crazy after the application and then loss of color a few weeks later like some competitors' results. Go to WeedmanUSA.com. 
Find your next new Ford, Chevy, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Subaru, Cadillac, Mazda, Volkswagen, Nissan, or pre-owned vehicle at hawkauto.com. Drive what I drive. Drive a hawk. Hawkauto.com. Hawkauto.com. Home deliveries are a big part of our lives now, and Blink XT2 security cameras can help. They're motion activated, so when your package arrives, you get an alert on your Blink smartphone app. You can see your delivery and can talk with the delivery person through your Blink XT2 cameras two-way talk feature. Now through April 12th, get 20% off select Blink cameras and systems at BlinkProtect.com slash sale. That's 20% off at BlinkProtect.com slash sale. Blink is an Amazon company and works with Alexa. There may be no games. No practices. No high fives. But we're all still part of a team. And we all have a role to play. Right now, that means keeping our distance. But still checking on each other. Helping the most vulnerable. And and supporting supporting our our heroes that are keeping us safe. Sports may be paused, but but the the best parts are needed now more than ever. So So let's let's all do do our our part part to help our team. Hashtag one team ESPN. You're listening to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling. Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rhodes, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class, redneck goose. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But I'm most of all, the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at WrestlingTWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is... And all my magnificent, you're going to be mine all night long. Here's Jonathan Hood. It's Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Jonathan Hood with you here on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. We ask you to go to YouTube, youtube.com. Check out Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday for previous conversations you might have missed. Also, you can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. We turn to Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Also, you can check the podcast for Josh at The Hoots Podcast. WrestleMania taking place mostly at the Performance Center Orlando. It was a unique event because it was one of these things where it wasn't 80,000 people. It wasn't 13, 14,000 people in an arena. It was at the Performance Center, and under the circumstances, the men and women for the WWE, really worked hard they were really hard because it is wrestlemania and so you are used to the wrestlers stepping up and taking another step and they did that definitely under very difficult circumstances ultimately doing it at a soundstage and we turn to josh lopez right here on espn 1000 josh as always i appreciate your time Thank you, J-Hood. I appreciate you, my man. How's it going? It was, it was, I'm going, it's going well because I want to just take my hat off to the men and women for the WWE that really worked hard. A two-night event. First of all, what do you think of the um, kind of Wrestle Kingdom, New Japan type style of two nights for WrestleMania? What do you think of that? Well, now that I can reflect on both shows, um, I think that WrestleMania 
had more um, stories to be told throughout the two nights where as opposed to Wrestle Kingdom, a lot of the show uh, from the mid-card was filled with tag matches and the attraction for Wrestle Kingdom was the double uh, double gold dash uh, match to determine the double champion, right? But WrestleMania had basically <laughs> tried to fit in as much wrestlers from the company, but also still able to tell stories for each of the characters who were on both shows. And like you said, I got to give a shout out to every single performer that participated in those shows. Uh, whether you enjoyed the matches or not, you could tell the effort was there. And um, uh, for the most part, I, it was pretty easy experience to cover uh, from a transcript point of view um, uh, with the with the exception of the cinematic matches that we got. But we'll get to that in a couple minutes. Yeah, question. Um, so I want to start there and talk about night one. Really, the highlight was that Boneyard match with The Undertaker taking on AJ Styles. And it just shows you, the first thing I was thinking of once I started seeing it rolling, Josh was thinking, man, the WWE rolling out the WWE films for this. There's a reason why they have a movie company, because they can do something like this. And I'm thinking, okay, that's a good use of the WWE films department. And so just watching how that looked, it, it gave The Undertaker to me a different gear. And, and we've seen him in a lot of different incarnations. This is more like Biker Taker, which is great. Um, but him taking on AJ Styles, neither guy took a step back. Even though AJ ends up losing the, the match, I think it did great for both. That gave The Undertaker new life for a guy that's really up in age. I totally agree with you, uh, Hoodie. And here's the thing I was thinking about as I was watching this match. I think for us wrestling peers like yourself and myself, like thinking about this from a context point of view, we had a TNA guy not only main eventing a part of what WrestleMania was going to be with The Undertaker, but also a TNA guy also being part of stealing the show or that weekend, if you will, since we're talking about both nights. Um, I thought the layout was really good. I'm really happy for Undertaker. I'm partially biased. The Undertaker has always been my all-time favorite character in professional wrestling. And um, you can tell this is something that he needed for himself personally. And also just the character in general. And um, it was really fun just the hearing the Metallica music in the background. He definitely knew Triple H was a part of that as well. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the Boneyard match uh, far exceeded my expectations, you know, to get Gals and Anderson in there. Yeah, obviously they're the, uh, the heaters for AJ Styles, but also at the same time, they weren't made out to look like complete jabronis either. So uh, I really enjoyed the Boneyard match. The Universal Championship on the line as Goldberg, the champion, took on Braun Strowman. It's a longer conversation that you and I have to have about the fascination that Vince McMahon has in a 50-plus-year-old Goldberg, a WCW guy, continues to win the Universal Championship. But it's kind of what you think. It's like when Goldberg's in there, if he's going to lose the title, it's not going to be a long match. This is supposed to be where Roman Reigns is supposed to win. Roman Reigns not available, of course, because of COVID-19, one and two. Someone who's gone through uh, cancer before, he's not part of this matchup. So it's Braun Strowman that wins the Universal Championship. And quite frankly, if Braun Strowman's not in this spot, he's in the big show role of just... You know, being a big guy, doing stunts, but not necessarily considered seriously a contender or a champion. It's good for Braun Strowman because I think he get he got his. 
uh, with the win against Goldberg. I don't. Uh, not only is it good for Braun Strowman, I think it's good for the SmackDown brand because uh, when you look at Braun's career, his best feuds has always been with Roman Reigns. So um, whenever this pandemic can simmer down a little bit and we get these shows back in the arenas and everybody come back to these shows, uh, Roman and Braun have always had good chemistry with each other in their matches and their feud with each other. And I think it would be a hot program for the SmackDown brand because you got talent and you get, you got good matches, but um, there hasn't been one like grueling hot feud for the world title since SmackDown came on Fox, and I think uh, you could uh, capitalize on it because hey, Roman's still going for the title he never lost. He decided to make a decision for his family, and I totally respect that. And now he's going after a guy who took his spot. And they have history with each other. So I think there's some good business, not only for Braun Strowman, but just the SmackDown brand in general with that decision. Go to ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com to talk to Josh Lopez. He joins me, Jonathan Hood, on Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app as we talk about WrestleMania taking place uh, over the weekend. The Raw Women's Championship with Becky Lynch against Shayna Baszler. You don't worry about time, I think, because it's WrestleMania. It's a two-day event. But I, I thought the match could have been a little bit longer just based on the build, Josh. I mean, uh, and just the placement of Becky Lynch as Raw Women's Champion, if she is the man, and this is, again, this is something that we need to talk about as far as where, where is Becky Lynch amongst the best in the WWE from a marketing standpoint where the fans are? I mean, I, I, I would imagine there's going to be more to this, but – the crescendo to any feud should take place at WrestleMania and shouldn't have to boil over. And I just thought that the match could have been better. I thought it was no better than a B plus B minus. Uh, and I'd like to see more from them. If this is going to be the case, I just thought we're going to see a little bit of a longer contest. You know, if there was a match on either nights that were affecting the most without a crowd, just based on how I originally thought this match was going to go, it was going to be this one because if this was in the stadium and this is the full like eight hour WrestleMania instead of the two night hoodie, uh, I thought Shayna would definitely be walking out of Tampa with the title. Um, I, I was kind of disappointed too. I just thought the, the match layout was a little all over the place. Um, it's not really my beef about Shayna losing. It's just I don't know what you do with Becky Lynch after this point. I mean, we talked about it in the past that her character seems to be all over the place, and I was not expecting her to be a champion for an entire calendar year. So um, you kind of put yourself in the corner here. So obviously there's the end game, and these two are going to continue to feud with each other. But uh, I just thought the match layout was odd and. I, if given the circumstances, if we didn't have to deal with this pandemic, I think we would have a different result. That's just my opinion. That's fair to say. I, I just, I just need to understand where Becky Lynch is amongst the pecking order of the WWE. We understand that we're in this post era where there isn't one person that dominates uh, and and tra- you know transcends the company uh, yeah. because cause this is not Stone Cold Steve Austin, John Cena, Hogan. You know, Backlund, it's, it's, this is not uh, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. We're not in that. So if Becky is the man, shouldn't she be placed better in the card? That seemed like, she, that seemed like just a, a middle card match, and she's the champion, right? Yeah, I agree. And here's another point. 
if you're in that same tier, in that same level of, let's say even like Trish Stratus, when she was an active wrestler, because she was one of the main attractions, obviously, when that was going on in the Attitude Era, you look at Becky Lynch, every time she's won a big match, it was either a roll-up or some type of odd penny combination. Look, she had a crucifix on Ronda Rousey. That's how she beat her at WrestleMania last year. Uh, on Saturday, she pulled off some type of Bret, Bret Hart flip-over thing yeah. <laughs> on Shayna Baszler to retain her title. I, 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 what does that do for Becky, you know? What, what message does it say? Okay, you're saying you're going to beat the crap out of Shayna Baszler, but you want to all smarter? It, like, you got to make up your mind which uh, from the storytelling aspect, which I just thought it was a little flat. You know, you're going after this MMA fighter. Uh, She caused you to literally bleed in your back. She bit your back, uh, back of your neck, right? Yeah. And you're going for a Bret Hart roll-up? Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit of a disconnect for me. Um, The other part of um, night one that stood out is the Intercontinental Championship with Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan. Now, Josh, we, we have seen these two before. Uh, and we on paper, if you say it's Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan, you would think that's a 30-minute classic that should steal all of WrestleMania. But that's not how Sami Zayn is portrayed. Sami Zayn is no, no more than a, really a manager uh, for Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. So he's on the back pedal the entire time. And it, it, it reminded me of Bobby Heenan when he had to be a, a, a wrestler, even though he mostly was a manager. When he was in there, he's always in the back pedal. He's always taking a, a potter to the outside, didn't want to get touched. And then when you do, he does get touched, now he gets beat down. Um, it's just a, a little bit of a disconnect for me because this could have been written as Sammy. It could have been Cesaro showing Sami Zayn when he was at NXT. Look, you can take on Daniel Bryan. You can do this. And they're right. showing like the old films, like they're in a locker room area. And Shinsuke is pointing at the screen saying, yeah, you know what? You can face Daniel Bryan. You can beat him because look at this when you were the NXT champion. Look at all these great. I mean, they could have built it that way where it could have been a classic. You know that that's a classic. But because Sami Zayn is this chicken shit, you know what? Now he's got to be in the back pedal against Daniel Bryan and him stepping outside, you know, every time. That's not WrestleMania to me. That's more like Raw or SmackDown. Uh, and so I wish that was a better match, but it was what it was. I can see where you're coming from with that. And, well, just from my point of view, I, I the whole trio of Nakamura, Zane, and Cesaro is a disconnect for me because I don't think neither of the three need to be in a group with each other, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't think Nakamura needs to be a heel. Um, I know how good of a wrestler Cesaro is. He could be on his own accord. And then Sami Zayn, while I'm not, I'm not one of the wrestling fans that just like marks all the time for the heels. Like I appreciate Sami Zayn, the wrestler. And he, also the good part about him is that he annoys me and I'm a fan of his. So yeah. <laughs> good thing. Uh, but just uh, when it came to the match, um, we could have had a, a different presentation than what we saw on Saturday, but once Daniel did get his hands on Zane, I thought the physicality portion of that match was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, it did not have that WrestleMania feel. It felt like, um, 
you know, just given the circumstances with this event in general, I felt like maybe they wanted to take uh, WrestleMania this year as a opportunity to continue some feuds, as opposed to prior WrestleMania's where feuds would end, or you get that 25-minute grueling match to settle a title feud. So I it, this disconnected that trio, and I thought the only reason why they kept going because obviously these guys are going to team feud with each other. So that's that's my thoughts on that. Where do you place Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins amongst the best matches for for night one? It's up there, more from a storytelling aspect. I think you know. I know it's, it was a little different for everybody to get adjusted to watching a full length show without commercial breaks with no fans in the crowd, right? You know, we had the uh, women's tag match that went like 15 minutes or so. <laughs> so mm-hmm. this, you're getting accustomed to the feel of longer matches with no fans in the building. And you hear the uh, guys talk smack to each other, especially Kevin Owens, right? He's saying stuff that I can't mention on FCC Airwaves. <laughs> right. <laughs> Seth Rollins. And I just thought the storytelling in that match was really good. I... I Non-cinematic related, this is definitely either the top three or the top five matches that I saw this weekend. All right, uh, we are reviewing night one of WrestleMania with Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. You can follow him on Twitter at The Hoots Podcast. When we return, we'll take a look at night two of WrestleMania taking place at the Performance Center of Orlando. You're listening to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Every Tuesday night, we give you the best in pro wrestling and sports entertainment conversation right here on ESPN 1000. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at TweetJHood. Welcome back to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. We're talking about WrestleMania taking place in Orlando with Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. As we have our conversation, uh, check out the Hoots podcast wherever you download your podcast for Josh. And don't forget to follow along on Twitter and Instagram, our show, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. Night two of WrestleMania. Um, Want to get your thoughts about uh, the women's championship for NXT, Rhea Ripley against Charlotte Flair. Josh, I honestly believe from a wrestling standpoint, in-ring standpoint, that was the best match of all of WrestleMania. I agree with you. That felt like a takeover. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling you get a takeover match at a WrestleMania. Um, man... I think Charlotte said it really well in her recent interview on Get Up, where she was saying that she hopes she gets remembered as just one of the best wrestlers of all time. I mean, it's so simplistic to say, oh my gosh, Charlotte's the greatest in-ring female wrestler of all time. She's, In my opinion, she's the best pure wrestler on the WWE roster, male or female. She's that good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she brought another level, another gear in Rhea Ripley that we haven't seen in her other matches besides the one she had with Shayna Baszler. And, man, <laughs> this, to pull that off, you know, sometimes, I, I, I'll be honest with you, Hoodie, I was just sure how they were going to go about 
you know, working body parts or having rest holds <laughs> during these matches, you know, like how, how would that convey to the people watching at home? You know, sometimes people get bored watching rear chin locks and stuff and leg locks and all this stuff in the arena. Picture doing that with no fans in the crowd, but they're still able to tell a physical story. And yeah, I understand that people are maybe compl- uh, content and tired of seeing Charlie Wayne titles at WrestleMania. But she's just that good, and I don't think Ripley was affected by this one bit. No, absolutely not, because she's 22, 23 years of age, so she's got time. Um, I know that online people are complaining that, you know, this should have been more of a surprise victory for Charlotte in that Rhea Ripley doesn't uh, lose via submission. It's okay. it's, It's okay because Charlotte Flair is that good. She's her dad with offense. Yes. (laughs) That's who she is. Let's just be honest. Like, uh, Rick's never been that aggressive. Even as a baby face, he's never been that good. Um, But she's she's just a special talent. And if that's going to be a rivalry in NXT, and that's going to drive more people to watch NXT on Wednesday nights, that's actually the reason why she's the champion. Because now you get a main roster person, quote unquote, now on NXT. Now it's a a much watch, just like everybody else in the company. Right. And now down the road, this this feud could main event a particular takeover now. And I, I think that's a good thing for the titles, good for Rhea Ripley once uh, she eventually takes the title off of Charlotte as well. So I thought it was some good business there. And a good decision to start off that match for night two. Um, the only, I, I thought it would have a different match start off night one. That would probably be one of the things that was a takeaway from mine over the weekend. But I thought that was the right match to start off night number two. No question. It was my favorite match on WrestleMania. I think they stole the show. Uh, we scroll down to, oh, God. The last man standing match with Edge versus Randy Orton. <clears throat> okay. So... This had one of the best builds because of the rivalry. That was not that's not sports entertainment we were watching, Josh. That's pro wrestling. Because Correct. because yes. because that is Edge being away for nine years with the bad neck, Randy Orton, who is evil, and we've always known that he's evil. He was able to turn the notch up to eleven in a big way uh, to for this build. They had one of the most uh, interesting matches because the last man standing. Here's my issue: it's okay. it, it's not as much. It's not that it was 35 minutes and it was long. My issue is is that I already know what that building and the performance center looks like because we saw something like that from Gargano and Ciampa. Right. That's, it, <laughs> that's the thing. I already know what that building looks like because they were all over the building. So if you if they're not fighting all over the performance center on NXT, if that never happens, and I see Edge and Randy Orton, I go okay, I get it. They're at the they're in the storage area, they're in the office, they're in the gym, they're throwing equipment around. Like okay, I get that. But I already saw this two weeks ago. So 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 so, so that, no, blame me as a wrestling fan. Poor me. I've already saw this, but Edge and Randy Orton did. You know, five, three or four times more than what Ciampa and Gargano did fighting in the same facility. You know, I was waiting for Edge to spear Randy Orton off the perch. You know, just like Ciampa did that air raid crash oh, off the man. perch the table. Jeez. Like, like, the, um, like, like a fight like that in, in wrestling parlance, they should never wrestle again. But who knows? I think this continues. I do think this continues. Um, you know, 
the you're totally right. The build for this match is definitely pro wrestling. It reminds me similar to uh, the feud that Shawn Michaels had with Chris Jericho uh, towards the end of 2008. Some, I think it was the summer of 2008. It was Michaels and Chris Jericho, just a deeply personal feud. And they had, a, a I think they had like a three-pay-per-view feud with multi-gimmick-style um, uh, matches. So I think this is far from what we've seen uh, between these two. Um, my, I guess my disconnect with the match was not the story that so it was more of the commentary in the background. And I, I'm usually more of a Tom Fields fan than, <laughs> I, than I'm going to come on here, but I just thought the way the commentary came off did not do that match any favors. Um, you know, looking at the ref doing a workout every time he's doing the count. <laughs> yeah. Like, does the number and then he does, like, uh, he leans down. He's doing a Hindu squat. <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, the, from transcribing the match and watching it back a second time, the story that they told about grit and just grinding and, you know, everything that they were talking about before this match happened, they hit that to T. It was a very physical match. But I, I can see where you come from. It was hard to not think about what Gargano and Champa were doing while this match was going on. They're in the same conference room. Uh, <laughs> like, like you said, they're in the gym room. Uh, so I, I thought it was what it was. Uh, I, for anybody that was saying that, oh, this should have been 30 minutes, it was going to be 30 minutes whether it was in the stadium or not. I just thought the commentary did not do this match the justice it needed. No commentary was needed until the referee started ex- exercising his count, I think. That's that's yeah, what that's and we I, can hear his mic too. Yeah. <laughs> but he's screaming so we can hear him though. Yeah, I, I, I thought that that was. It was long for sure, but I don't think commentary was needed. And by the way, hats off to Tom Phillips and um, and his partner on the show. Uh, it, uh, defeat, uh, I, trust me, I don't care if I didn't have to hear uh, the King over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, Byron Saxton. I think, you know what, Saxton was solid. Uh, and when he's not being made fun of, I think he did a nice job. Um, right. But, you know, so he was just – so. We go to quickly the SmackDown Women's Championship. What stood out most about Bailey, Sasha, Lacey, and Tamina, along with Naomi? I thought I was finally getting to see the second gear in ring wise from Lacey Evans. That's what stood out to me. Uh, this match was long. <laughs> I think this match went almost 20 minutes, and I got to give a shout out to. Um, all the women that performed this weekend, I, I was counting up the time matches and the lengths. The women had in-ring time an hour and eight minutes over the two nights out of WrestleMania through the four matches that are on that card. And, um, you know, they're telling the story of Bailey and Sasha being friends. We had that one spot in the corner where Bailey does a knee strike on accident. Sasha's getting mad here. Everybody thought, oh, man, this could be it. Sasha's going to finally do the turn on Bailey, And then, you know, it was a ruse this entire time. I'll be honest with you, and we talked about this a few months ago. Bailey as a heel does absolutely nothing for me. I am not a fan of the Sasha Banks remix mm-hmm. <laughs> that she has. So this duo, I, I, they're best friends, and I get that. But I was hoping for a new champ here. This is one of the matches I was more disappointed in. But, you know, you get to see Tamina 
do what she does in the ring. She's a good wrestler. Uh, I like to see her more in the ring. Naomi's Naomi. We all know how good of a wrestler she is. But I thought Lacey Evans was the breakout star in this match. How about the Firefly Funhouse match with John Cena against The Fiend? And so... <laughs> just because it's the Firefly Funhouse, we don't know exactly what that means. Nobody Correct. knew what that mean, meant going into the match. So, is that something where it's stuffed in the ring? Is it an actual match? It was a happening. I don't even consider that a match. It was just something that was in Bray Wyatt's mind, character-wise, right? And yeah. and for those that hated it, they got to understand, like, we've had a lot of whacked-out ideas that's been uh, brought to the table, stuff from Raven, stuff from Kevin Sullivan, just weird things that we have seen before in wrestling in the past. And so when I see this Firefly Funhouse, it's kind of, it's an happening. I don't consider this a match. It's just something where this is what is on his mind. I will tell you, the biggest pop for me was not Charlotte winning the NXT Championship, but just to, just for a glimpse to see what John Cena would look like as a heel. Say, yes. for instance, he was in the NWO. Josh, I was, like, taken away, blown away by, wow, Cena would have been so great as a heel in one way, shape, or form. I just thought that that was the, the high spot, uh, one of the high spots of that match. The storytelling in this um, cinematic feature that we watched <clears throat> Sunday was some of the best that I've seen from WWE when it comes to just long-term storytelling and this was the long length mental breakdown and dissection of what John Cena was in the WWE and also what he is as a person. You know, I pop for the line where Bray is singing Nikki Bell's theme song. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and um, getting that glimpse of what it would be like to see Cena embrace the dark side. Remember, we were talking about this, whether uh, John Cena would beat The Fiend or would The Fiend get his uh, justice back for losing a WrestleMania 30. The Fiend, <laughs> the Fiend uh, paid the debt on Sunday. That's what happened. He, he, he even went back to his original Bray Wyatt gimmick and he's like, I'm going to rewrite my own story. And, you know, gave the flashbacks of Every single failure John Cena's had his career, from losing the title to Miz at WrestleMania. We even had a CM Punk uh, cameo in there, which I which caught me by surprise. Uh, I just thought the layout of it was really unique for what that match was supposed to be, and I, I got to give a lot of credit for John Cena and Bray Wyatt. That that, that was storytelling one on one, and I could be happy for Bray. Obviously, he ended up winning the match. But if you guys haven't watched WrestleMania, the Firefly Funhouse would be the first thing I watch, maybe besides Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. And the WWE Championship, you know, if it's Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre, it's going to be a quick match. And uh, so not a surprise there. If Brock's going to lose it, I'm going to lose it in five minutes. And so um, McIntyre becomes a champion. It's something that should have happened years ago. And I know that my friend Mark Henry and others say that it took – you know, it took Drew McIntyre some time to go away. Um, and as Jim Ross would say, you know, go away, learn a new hold. And so, he, <laughs> and so Drew did that, you know, going overseas, going to, you know, Impact Wrestling, other places. And now it all culminates with him becoming the WWE champion. I'm very happy for him. I hope that they do uh, right by him, uh, by having him be the champion and be the man for a while. 
I hope everybody gets a chance to watch his Chronicle special that's available right now on the network. Uh, you want to see somebody who's been truly affected uh, from a professional and personal standpoint uh, from this pandemic. Check out Drew McIntyre. Uh, his, his story is really unique going into this event um, this weekend. You know, they had a really nice humble moment right after he won the title. He's looking in the camera and saying thank you to everybody at home. I thought that was really, really uh, touching. And, um, you know, something unique about Brock Lesnar, man, is like I'm trying to remember a classic Brock Lesnar WrestleMania match besides Kurt Angle. Uh, we had the stuff with Goldberg, or, you know, we have matches that are either flat or just short for whatever reason. You know, uh, last year at WrestleMania, he starts off the show because he just wants to leave. Right. <laughs> he knew he was losing the title, so he just, hey, we'll start off the show with Seth Rollins. Here you go. Here's the title. We had the matches with Roman Reigns. Uh, we had two Goldberg matches. That's something that, another topic we got to talk about down the road is just how Brock Lesnar is presented at WrestleMania. I did not think this match was going to be four minutes and 30 seconds, nor did I think it was going to be 20 minutes, but that's something we should talk about down the road. Josh, as always, I appreciate you coming on the program on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. A thorough breakdown of uh, night one and night two of WrestleMania. Again, uh, you can follow Josh on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast, and don't forget to download and bookmark. Uh, ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. All the wrestling that you need to know, Josh has it for you on ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Blow by blow, each show across the United States and the world. Josh, thanks so much for coming. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Our thanks to you for listening and being part of the program here on ESPN 1000. Full show tomorrow between 7 and 10. Our thanks to Josh Lopez, to Kendall Gill, Trevor Maddich, and Sean Davis on the other side of the glass. We'll see you tomorrow, 7 to 10, right here on Under the Hood. is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on